Biblical Astrology The Mazaroth 101 Part 1 The Gospel Story Praise Ahia family. He is the Most High, Holy and Eternal, King of all kings, the only true wise and living God, the Almighty. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That's 1 John 3 1. Well, hello, family. I hope you're all happy, blessed, and well. And have had good weeks this week. So we did say we're going to start looking at the end times as our next focus area for study, for Bible study. And we actually commenced our study, if you recall, in our last podcast by starting to look at Revelations chapters 12 and 13, which looks at the great wonder in heaven that was revealed to John, the revelator in the constellations or the stars. So in that podcast, which was called Revelations 12 and 13, the greatest love story ever told, we began to look at the fact that Yahuwah had inscribed a prophetic testament for mankind into the heavens. And in so doing, essentially also made a great declaration of love for his people, his bride, in the constellations of the heavens. So in our previous post, we took a moment to ponder the depth of the love of our Heavenly Father for the man he'd created and also for his bride, which we explained was represented by the constellation of Virgo in the starry legend. So let's continue for a moment on this theme of Yahuwah's love for mankind, for Yasharel. But let's now pivot slightly to also look at the Mazaroth in the context of it being the first gospel or good news. For that's what the Zodiac actually is. Mazaroth is a Hebrew word meaning the constellations of the Zodiac. The Mazaroth or Zodiac is actually the Proto-Evangel or the Proto-Evangel, which simply means the first gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. That's right. It might actually surprise you to learn that the heavens, as in its literal constellations, actually proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's at least as they were initially ordained by Yahuwah when he created them, namely the sun, moon, and all the hosts of heaven on the fourth day of creation. See Genesis 1.14. So today's podcast is going to be a 101 podcast. And those familiar with the pairs of the breach will know that we do do 101 teachings, posts, occasionally. And 101s for us just cover very basic or introductory information about a topic or subject area that we should ideally all know something about or be aware of. So the title of today's podcast is going to simply be an introduction to biblical astrology, the Mazaroth 101, part one, the gospel story. So, moreover, we're going to come back to look at what this starry narrative revealed to John in Revelations 12 and 13, and what this tells us, because it would appear to point to the fact that there are 
well, a specific role for Yasharel in the end of days. Now, why do I point this out? Because this legend, as revealed to John in the stars, as does scripture, seem to point to there being indicators or specific things that Israel is required to do as prerequisites for Yahuwah's return and in order to return to her land. And this is corroborated in Revelations 7.4 and also Revelations 14.3. Even seems to put it more strongly by stating that 144,000 Yashraelites or Israelites, that's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, must first be sealed before Yeshua's return and before, as I say, Yashra returns to her land. And this as a prophecy is something that either claimed universally by the Christian church as a generic promise that's applicable to every Christian or is otherwise completely ignored. So we're going to come back to look at that in subsequent, in a subsequent post. However, before we get into that, let's uh, anyway look at today's topic of the Maseroth. And there are so many areas or ways in which we could tackle this vast subject because there are many prophecies, messages and events really that can be uncovered and that we could explore because the Maseroth speaks of Yahuwah's love his plan of salvation, the care of Yahuwah, his redemption that he proclaimed to the world, really, from the constellations. Because the legend is written from the perspective of Yashorel, at least it commences with the birth of Yashorel, or Israel as a nation, in the beginning. But it also speaks, or appears to speak to, a rebirth for Israel as well in the end of days. And this does really align to what we've always said at Repairs of the Breach about the threefold nature of prophecy, that which has been being essentially that which shall be. So prophecy really aligned to speak both, well, not only to the future, but also to the past and the present also. So Yeshua is represented in this starry legend by the constellation Virgo. And the whole legend having started, as I say, at the beginning of time, and also having a focal point around the birth of Israel as a nation, does then run all the way through time, essentially concluding in eternity, post-millennial reign even. And this representation is represented by the constellation of Cassiopeia, who represents the Bride of Christ, now crowned and beautifully adorned for her husband and enthroned in the New Jerusalem, together with her husband and King Christ, who is represented by the constellation Cephas, which means the one who is crowned. And them living, it shows them, or depicts them living together in the New Jerusalem, happily ever after. Interestingly, the constellation Cephas actually has one of the brightest stars within its constellation in the entire Northern Hemisphere. It's also what is known as a circumpolar constellation, which means it can always be observed throughout the year. Again, the constellations here testifying to Yahuwah's omnipresence. What an awesome God. I should also add, as someone might want to say, that I'm just interpreting the constellations purely from an Israelite perspective. Actually, it's not my intention to present an exclusive message. That's not the way of the gospel or something I would have any interest in doing. The fact that the legend itself presents a Yashraelite perspective does not mean the perspectives of other nations or peoples are excluded. 
But it, it is an important point because what it does mean is that Israel is the indicator. And currently the world is watching and blessing the wrong people with the risk, unfortunately, that many are going to miss all of the signs which are also in this starry legend as Yahuwah has put them into this narrative. Read to their doom. But uh, I'm digressing a little. Let's come back to looking at what we plan to look at today, which is the Maseroth. Let's look at what Yahuwah said about them being for signs. So on the fourth day of creation, if you recall, God, or Yahuwah, said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So we've established that the lights in the firmament, which broadly comprises the sun, moon, stars and constellations, which we know collectively as the host of heaven, were for signs. But besides their obvious purpose of both adorning the face of the firmament and giving light, Yahweh defined them as being created for the purposes of prophecy or foretelling, if you will, and proclaiming messages and also heralding events. So what is the gospel story then? What's the real meaning of the Zodiac? So the Maseroth or constellations um, of the Zodiac, as they were originally ordained and created by Yahuwah, were intended to reveal the nature and identity of Christ and convey the message of God, that's Yahuwah's, deep love, help and redemption of mankind. At its core, the gospel story, as proclaimed in the starry Bible or protevangel, is a story of the serpent and the victory of Christ, the victory of the cross. The singular unifying thread and underlying theme of the overall zodiac from start to finish is Christ. He is depicted in many facets of his character, but all aligned to and were realized in the character and identity of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at just, well, a small number of examples of this, identifying representations of Christ in a small sample of just some of the signs to get some insight as to what I'm saying, as to the real meaning of the Zodiac, as you who were ordained it in the beginning. And then we're going to come on in part two to, well, look at a bit of a warning, really, and look at what Yahuwah has said about astrology, because, as you know, he's actually condemned astrology. So astrology being the whole science that sprung up around the constellations. Now, this is something that Yahuwah absolutely hates and has forbidden his children from having anything to do with. So we'll look at that in part two, and we're going to call that a part two, Astrology Condemned. And then we're going to round off with a part three, which will look at the provenance or origin, age and history of the Zodiac itself. And a little bit about how Yahuwah actually composed it. So let's look now at the real meaning of the Zodiac, Christ revealed. Because references to Christ permeate the entirety of the Zodiac from beginning to end. The whole history of the world is covered in this starry legend, from the fall and depravity of man. And note the constellation of Virgo, which we said represents Israel, is actually lying down. So as I say, the whole history of the world is covered in this starry legend, from the fall of man 
through the subtlety of the dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and the redemption or restoration of man through the intervention of a still mightier one, the Emmanuel, which means God with us, the incarnate God, who reduces himself and makes himself of no reputation to assume man's nature and was born of a virgin, represented by the constellation of Virgo, Virgo being Latin, meaning virgin. And this does have echoes of what was written subsequently in Philippians 2, 7, 8, where it says, how, explains how Christ made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So you can see really how the scriptures do really corroborate the protivangel, or vice versa, you could equally say. And the scriptures came to be written many thousands of years after the protivangel was actually put into, into motion by Yahuwah on the fourth day of creation. At least a good 4,000 years later is when the scriptures came to be written. Well, certainly this one in Philippians anyway. So incidentally, this constellation, Virgo, also represents Yasharel, as we've said. And we're going to come on to look, as I've mentioned, at a very important hidden instruction for Yasharel, for her salvation in the end of days, which this constellation does it actually encode. So as I say, it shows the whole history of how this God-man, assuming man's nature, came down and suffered death. And in his suffering and death, he became then exalted to the right hand of the majesty on high, having destroyed the dragon and become the author of our eternal salvation. So let's look now at how Christ, or Hamashiach, meaning the Anointed One, is the underlying theme for the entirety of the Zodiac, and look at some of the examples of references to Christ, which are to be found everywhere, in almost every sign. So to give some examples, a few examples here. He's seen as a scales, as in of justice, in the constellation of Libra. Now, this symbol, the symbol of scales, or balances, it's a symbol that's also universally used as a symbol for secular law and judicial justice. But in this constellation, it's not only symbolizing Christ or Yeshua, but it's also representing his divinity as well as incarnate God in accordance with Isaiah 9.6. If you recall, Isaiah 9.6 explains that Yeshua or Christ's name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, as in the Father God, the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah 9.6. So he's also represented in this constellation as the righteous judge. And generally we do tend to align the role of righteous judge to Yahuwah in his direct divine um, role himself, but you can see here it's ascribed to Christ. So uh, I think that's I think that's interesting and wonderful. But uh, yes, 
So looking at examples of how the references to Christ to be found throughout the Zodiac, let's now look at the constellation of Virgo. So in that constellation, he's represented as the seed of the woman. Because, of course, he's begotten or given birth to the scales or Libra is actually birthed by Virgo in the Surrey legend. So Christ is also represented in this constellation of Virgo as both the righteous branch, because in Virgo's right hand, she actually holds a branch. And also the seed of the woman also by the sheaves or clusters of wheat that Virgo now holds in her left hand. And these sheaves foretell or give echoes of John 12:24, that subsequently came to be written by uh, the prophet John, where Yeshua, speaking of his purpose, said, Except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Foretelling of the great mission of Messiah in his death on the cross and giving the promise of his resurrection. So in the constellation of Scorpio, Christ is seen or represented as a mighty man, disabling a huge snake that he has grasped with both hands. By the constellation Ophicus, which is a Greek word meaning serpent holder, this constellation shows this figure effectively holding this giant monster snake fast with one foot raised from the scorpion's tail as though having been stung in the heel. He's in the act of crushing the scorpion's head with his other foot. Thus he's represented here as the one who has power over the serpent and over death, holding or dismantling and destroying them. And this readers foretell echoes of Hoshea 13.14, where Yahuwah himself says, I will ransom them, speaking of mankind, from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. So he's called the physician in this constellation, namely Ophicus, as per the great physician. And he's seen in this constellation as being the health giver, the universal remedy, the redeemer of mankind, who rises from the dead in this sign or constellation, which has echoes again of one of the seven Old Testament names by which Yahuwah was known to Israel, namely Yahuwah, which we more commonly call Jehovah, um, Yahuwah Rophe, which means the Lord that healeth thee. See Exodus fifteen twenty six. It also foretells of Yeshua being the son of righteousness that we were told shall arise with healing in his wings, as stated in Malachi 4.2. And this does really foretell of Yeshua's earthly ministry. He's going about Galilee, doing good and healing all who were oppressed. So we did explain how the Greeks really had corrupted much of the true meaning of the Zodiac with their mythologies. And just to give an example of how they did that, we'll look at the narrative that the Greeks put around this particular constellation, Ophicus, the healer. So the Greeks said that Ophicus was a healer who cured the sick and also brought people back to life or back from the dead by means of blood he took from the side of the goddess of justice. They called him the physician or healer. Finally, they said Ophicus was killed from the lightnings of heaven, but rose from the dead to glory through the influence of Apollo, who in Greek mythology was his father. So that's an example of 
how the Greeks corrupted the true message. But you can see really that analogies to Christ and his rising from the dead and healing the sick are really stated very clearly in this constellation. So references to Christ are also mentioned. For instance, in another constellation, the Greeks now called Hercules. For Hercules, this constellation is displayed or seen, wounding or over the head of the dragon, bearing an uplifted rod in one hand. This does also foretell Christ, as he said, proclaiming himself to rule the nations with a rod of iron. See Revelations 2.27. So you can also see representations of Christ as the all-conquering lion of the tribe of Judah in the constellation of Leo the lion. So there are so many references. I could really go on and on and it's a really inexhaustible supply of references to Christ that you will find, as I say, in almost every sign of the Zodiac. And that's way too long for me to actually look into in this particular podcast. But this, not the occult knowledge of astronomy or horoscopes. And as I say, we're going to come on to discuss this in our next part too. But this really is the true wisdom of the Maseroth that we should really seek in order to draw us closer to God Yahuwah. For all of the zodiac, in its true or original meaning, as intended by Yahuwah, testifies of him. It is the protivangel, the first gospel and testament of Jesus Christ, written in the firmament from creation with the finger of God himself, from where it speaks to us today. That's right, the heavens speak, prophetically declaring the remedy as Christ and his victory over Satan. It depicts the epic battle of good triumphing over evil, light over darkness, which Yahuwah, by his power, has secured for us from the beginnings of time. The Maseroth sets out a path for us. It also has or shows, as well as references to the way of salvation and shows how Yahuwah made a way to save us, the people he had created. His right hand, his holy arm, getting him the victory, as states Psalm 98 verse 1. The Maseroth, or the constellations of the heavens, corroborate everything that the prophets and apostles, many thousands of years later, came to write down in the scriptures that today comprise the first and second or New Testaments of our Bibles. John the Revelator literally just lifted the narrative from this Sari Bible directly as he viewed it in the constellations in the heavens, penning it directly into his scroll, which became what we know today as chapters 12 and 13 of his book of Revelations. And this also tells us the month in which John wrote the book of Revelations on that auspicious Sabbath or Lord's Day when he was in the spirit and heard Yah's voice, a great voice behind him, like the voice of a mighty trumpet. The heavens speak. Did you know? Do you hear Yahuwah's voice? Psalm 19 verse 3 reminds us there's no part of the world nor language where their voice, namely the voice of the heavens, is not heard. 
He goes on to explain that the line of the heavens has gone out to the ends of the earth. So Psalm 19 verses 1 to 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Yahuwah achieved this, enabling their words to go out to the end of the world, making the message of the heavens universal by making the, con- the constellations a pictorial testament as opposed to being written. So it could be understand- understood by anyone of any language. Moreover, Psalm 19.3 goes on to tell us that the constellations, the Mazaroth, show us true wisdom. They give us knowledge of the Most High that made them, of his attributes, who he is, what he has done, and show the wonders of his handiwork in creation and the way of salvation he has made. It bids us come to him. It ushers us into his presence in a humility begotten of awe for the wonders of all his hands have made. This is the gospel story by Yahuwah, your father God, in his very own words, written from his heart of love to yours. Do you see that now? Will you receive him? We are the repairers of the breach. Isaiah 58:12. Hashtag, we will restore his paths. This recording was made on the 26th of May, 2023, or the 8th of Tammuz, the fourth, the fourth month.